Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome everyone to the Really 007 podcast to focus on perhaps the only book of its kind, the James Bond lexicon. Now it's fast approaching Christmas, so it seems like the perfect time to grab a copy of it to send to all our fellow Bond fans, friends and family. And amazingly tonight, we are joined by the authors themselves, Alan and Gillian Porter. So good evening, Alan and Gillian. Good evening. Evening. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Great to see you as well, all the way from America. Yeah, yeah. Te- well, Texas. I don't know. The count. Depends what day of the week it is, whether we think we're in America or not. But, yeah. <laughs> we'll get on to that in a bit. Because um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've also got here, we've got John, who's, of course, a regular contributor to our podcast. Hello. Good, Hello. good evening, John. And we've also got David, uh, a.k.a. Licensed to Queer, back. So it's great to have him on board. No, it's great to be back. I, I, I love this book so much, so I'm kind of feeling very privileged to talk to its creators. I will actually say David has a special spot in our hearts because he was the first, per- the day of release, he was the first person to actually take a selfie with the book and post it online. Oh, really? Oh. So, yeah. If you remember, I accidentally bought two copies. And I, yes, I, <laughs> I, I almost thought, because um, I almost thought, I'll just keep both copies because it's such a good book, but I thought this is ridiculous. So I did a, I did a little competition to give it away. So, so yeah, and that person is very grateful as well cool cool so so yes you you were the first first person in the bond community that we knew of that had actually got a copy so uh, oh wow we appreciate that and that's really why i've insisted that david come on board because i know he's a massive fan of this book so i'm I'm also just in terms of my my kind of academic background i've also got a degree in linguistics so i love anything with the word lexicon in there okay (laughs) i suppose i suppose you could call me the cunning linguist uh <laughs> it is a bond quote though so we'll uh... yeah we'll <laughs> listeners there are various places you can find our podcast we have got websites we've got itunes we're on spotify we're also on youtube now as well so uh, check out our videos and interviews on there but thanks for sharing rating and recommending our episodes 
We can also be found on social media, as we just mentioned, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Then the shout-out, I, I always give a shout-out. Tonight I thought, who has got the most encyclopedic knowledge of Bond and who really makes it the be-all and end-all of himself on Twitter? It's got to be the Wizard of Oz. Uh, the Wizard of Ice, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you've, so got thought, one, you've got Wizard of Ice wrong. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just thinking of the film, but uh, stop getting with your eyes wrong. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get to uh, stop getting Bond wrong myself. There. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you come across him on on Twitter yet, uh, guys? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm just worried that he's uh, he's corrected you on something in the book. Uh, no, but people are not slow in correcting us if they think they've spotted something wrong in the book. And there are the odd hiccups in there, yeah. So Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to asking you about that. Not that I've spotted anything myself, so don't worry. <laughs> Without further ado, it's great to introduce you to the world of Really 007. But first of all, in terms of you growing up, did you meet back in England? Yeah, we met uh, at college, actually, at Bradford University on our first day at college. That's amazing. Yeah. And where did James Bond come into your lives? Was it at the same time or did you grow up? No, no, I was, no, poor Jill's just got dragged along into it and she right. talked about her Bond experience. <laughs> but uh, no, for me, uh, Bond started with, again, I'm going to age myself here, the Thunderball board game, wow. which a friend of mine got for his birthday. I think it must have been over the school holidays and basically we just played it incessantly and I had no idea who James Bond was, but I figured out that James Bond was the guy with the biggest the biggest plastic figure and he had that cool jetpack on his back, so he must be cool. So I apparently went home and talked about James Bond incessantly, so that Christmas my parents got me the Corgi DB5 and the James Bond annual for that year. A couple of years later, I won a competition in my local newspaper for two free tickets to the my local Odeon and I decided to take my dad to see the new James Bond movie which was on a Manchester Secret Service and of course I've been reading this James Bond annual full of pictures of all the Sean Connery movies and I'm 10 years old and I'm sitting there and this guy comes on I'm like who's that that's not James Bond but he won me over very quickly and then when the the guy went under the snowplow and Bond turned around and said he had lots of guts that was it I was hooked I, I, I was a Bond fan from that point on so. <laughs> Of guts. I mean, just on the just the thought, Alan, you need to share that story more because that's usually used as a whipping stick against a George Lazenby that line. So you're saying that you're hooked because George Lazenby said that. Yeah, line. I've actually I actually told George that when I was lucky enough to meet him that he was the one who hooked me in, and it was that line. So uh, yeah. Oh, was, wow. <laughs> <laughs> What's it been like then, sort of seeing the evolution of James Bond? Then, so you've seen right from the start, really, haven't you? Sean Connery all the way to Daniel Craig now. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, I am that old, guys. I'm um, <laughs> it's been really interesting. You know, I'm fans of other franchises as well, but Bond is, is like being the consistent one. Is I think it's made me a little bit of a traditionalist when it comes to the Bond series. Like, you know, I like Bond to be given a, a mission. He goes out, does it, saves the world, and ends up with a girl in a raft, you know, or on a boat. That's how I like my Bond movies. So um, I'm not being a huge fan of the let's tell a five five movie story arc recently. But I have liked odd films in that in that story arc. But uh, yeah, I'm a bit of a Bond traditionalist. But I'm not. Hopefully, I'm not a sort of stick in the mud Bond traditionalist. I can also enjoy other things as they they come along. One of the things I always liked about the Bond franchise is the fact, certainly in the early days, that they tended to lead. They tended to try things and do things. Which which is what they've been doing over the last few movies as well. So, you know, I just love all the things that the Bond franchise has sort of drawn me into that I, you know, things like 
getting to dive into the music, the locations, travel. I think it was Bond that really sparked my love of travel and going to different places and, that, so, um, and discovering the books and everything else. It's been a very interesting journey and long may it continue. It is. It's a massive world now. Obviously, we've got our podcast. David's got his podcast and his website and you've got your book. So it's just... It's just and, and podcast too. So. And podcast, yes, of course, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I have Not to say right. that, otherwise my co-host would tell me else. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's really interesting that a board game got you into Bond because the people of sorry, I don't want to make anyone feel their age, but the people, <laughs> a lot of people who are a bit younger than me, well, maybe ten years younger than me, <clears throat> I've got an important birthday coming up <clears throat> in the next twelve months. The but people who are about ten years younger than me, a lot of those say that they were introduced to Bond through Goldeneye, the video. game. Yeah. And that they didn't know who James Bond was either. So it seems that that's, that's an interesting kind of generational thing. So because of the wider culture around Bond, that can hook people in. Yeah, and I'm not going to get on my soapbox about Eon missing the younger audience over the last 20 years by well, not doing video yeah. games and stuff. But yes, a lot of people discover, uh, over the years discovered Bond in different ways other than the movies or mm. um, Jill will probably say just because it was like on TV and it was part of our cultural yeah. zeitgeist. And I'll, I mean, I'll shut up and let Jill talk. I now. mean, my, my introduction was, that, you know, the Christmas movie. Yeah. You know, you you had your lunch, you watched The Queen, you watched Top of the Pops, and then you watched the Bond movie. Yeah. Mm. That was my introduction. And I didn't really think too much about it. I kind of ended up seeing Moonraker twice at the cinema because I went with one guy and then we broke up. And then I started going out with another guy. And he was like, let's go see Moonraker. It's just come out. And it was like, for me, the worst movie, the worst Bond movie I've ever seen at that point. And I was like, the, to go through it and watch it twice within two weeks was just painful. <laughs> um, so that kind of put me off for a while. because guy I, must I, have been quite attractive, Jill. You know, to, to, to put yourself through a Bond movie that you don't like <laughs> twice. <laughs> By the way, this is the first time I have ever heard that story. <laughs> I was, I was getting that. 40 years. That's the first time I've heard that. Yeah, I was getting that vibe, Alan, from your body language. <laughs> <laughs> we offer marriage counselling on our uh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> nice to know. Well, yeah, we uh, I was I was actually well continue with the secrets. No, I, he knows about this one. I was actually engaged to this guy I saw the Moonraker with twice when Alan and I met. So we rarely talk about him. So there. Okay. But yeah, that was that was, you know, and then, then we kind of came on gradually until I didn't realize it had become an obsession in our household, along with other obsessions, I will say. And it just it just kind of came on gradually. The movies came out, you go see them, we talk about the bits we liked, we talk about the bits we hated. And then, you know, the book came about purely because Alan writes all sorts of pop culture stuff and I've edited it for years. And then it got to this bit I was doing a lot more. And he was like, well, why don't we do this one together? And I thought, well, that'll be fun. And then there have been a few times over the years where you're like, why on earth did I agree to do this? But, you know, to have, to have it out there and finally done is quite satisfying. The second time that you've ever seen a, a Moonraker movie in consecutive days, uh, sorry, a Bond movie in consecutive days would be no time to die then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and dare I ask what you thought, Gillian? Loved it. Oh, phew, right, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we both enjoyed it, you're okay. Yeah. Not just us, but people we've uh, been speaking to and debating the film. We're trying to find people with a bit more, something positive to say about it. I know David is a fan as well, so we're in better company perhaps tonight to, to be positive about it. I said, I don't know that with the other, the podcasts and the discussions we've done with people that I've 
really found any one of you that hasn't No, unless we're just being cherry-picked for the podcast. Oh, yeah. Doing, but <laughs> I haven't actually come across anybody in person or on a podcast. I haven't come across anybody yet who doesn't like it. So. Well, <laughs> I won't mm. say any more. Then. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say it's very diverse. John's looking a bit orcs. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like the first two hours. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that then. Okay. I, right. thought, I, I will say mine, I thought it was a great movie. I thought the ending was fitting for the storyline they told. I just don't know if it was a, re a true Bond movie, if that makes sense. But I did like it, and I thought it just fitted what was what had gone before. And, you know, as soon as they started playing that, you know, music, you knew one of them was out of there. Yeah. And it couldn't have been her. So it made sense in the in the time. What they'll do next is going to be very interesting. And the effect that it might have on the book, I suppose, if you do an updated edition of it, that would be interesting. Um, well, we, we sort of do a continual updates on our – we have a companion website for the book, jamesbondlexicon.online, folks, where we actually do new entries as stuff comes out. So since the book came out, there's been a couple of the – a few of the Dynamite Comics series. So we've added – each, as each of those series ends, we've added them to the website. With No Time to Die, once it's out on, uh, you know, on DVD or video, I know it's out on video demand, but, you know, when it's out on DVD we'll, or, or Blu-ray, we'll probably, we'll probably, we'll definitely buy a copy and uh, we'll be freeze-framing it and doing all the uh, all the annotations and updates of that. So that'll be a few months away. But And, and, yeah. I'll, and I'll say to this, his, his we is very sweet because he does the website, he does the updates. I haven't done any of that part. So <laughs> I do love the fact he says we when I am not involved in any way, shape or form right now. Oh, I'm sure you are in uh, in spirit and the editing of it as well. I mean, it must, must take a heck of a long time to yeah. compile the thing, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today, if you didn't guess it already, we're we're discussing this extraordinary book, the, the James Bond Lexicon, which is available to buy now. And of course, it was published for the first time in 2021. And it's got a record of pretty much everything contained within the Bond novels, films, comic books, the animated series, James Bond Jr. We haven't even really mentioned that on our, our podcast. So, And it goes right up, basically, up to No Time to Die. And, and like Alan said, there will be updates on the website for that film as well, because that's that's going to create hours and hours of more new material. I think. <laughs> I think it's perfect to have handy when you, you know, there's a niggling character you want more info on, a niche question you need answering. Uh, and, you know, some, sometimes a Google search isn't good, good enough for these kind of things. If you want something proper to, about James Bond, if you've got this book handy, I think it's perfect for that. And much more detailed than even us super nerd Bond fans have ever gone into so it's 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 a must have, I think. It's also it's good to have as a reference, say, when you're reading one of the novels or comic books, or noticing something you hadn't noticed before from one of the films, perhaps for the first time, and cross referencing characters from a novel and a, and a film because they are quite different in many of the films. <laughs> I know you sort of said how the book came about, but what does the process of writing this book involve? I mean, how what's the sort of technique you do to go through it meticulously? It really just becomes. As you said, just working through things, systematically working through everything meticulously. What we did was divide. We thought it was like a divide and conquer approach that we, we each took certain things. So, you know, I did the movies and some of the comics. I did the Raymond Benson novels. Jill did Money Penny, John Gardner, 
you did the, the comics because I'd already written a book about the comic strips, the Daily Express comic strips back in 2009. So I wanted somebody to come at those fresh. So Jill took the, the comic strips and... And the young James Bond. And the young James... Yeah, you took the young Bond. I took James Bond Jr., the yeah. aforementioned James Bond Jr. So he yeah, sacrificed himself. I sacrificed myself. <laughs> I fell on my sword and watched all 65 episodes of James Bond Jr. Oh, my word. And read the novelizations and the comic book series. There was so much James... I didn't realize there was actually so much James Bond Jr. stuff. And the funny thing is, actually, since we finished the book, I've actually found out in the UK there was a four-issue Young Readers at series of James Bond Jr., which will have to go in the updates. So I'm busy trying to find copies of those. So, yeah, there's a lot of James Bond Jr. stuff out there that I didn't realize. Bond. James Bond Jr. James Bond Jr. James Bond Jr. James Bond Jr. James Bond Basically, that's how we did it. We just went through individually, made our own notes, entries, and we, we basically have a we, we used a wiki to write it. So we both put them into the wiki and stuff. We did a quick edit through that, and then at one point, we basically put everything into a big document and got it printed out, and it was like seven hundred pages or something of entries. And then we went, through, we'd spend like an hour in an evening going through, challenging each other as to why we'd written that entry or the way we'd written it, and editing it and cross editing it, uh, sulking. Yeah, sulking sometimes, <laughs> discussing. <laughs> vigorous discussions. V- vigorous discussions sometimes around certain entries. You know, deciding who was going to be... The, there was quite a bit we did that didn't end up in the book. You know, if it was a character that didn't really advance the plot in any way, we sort of took them out. And, you know, we also trimmed down. We found we both had a tendency to repeat the plot lines in multiple entries. So we had to sort of trim that down. And also as we were going through compiling the lists at the back of the book, you know, all the, all the, all the Bond's aliases, you know, all the Bond's women, all the cars, all that sort of stuff, Love all the hotels he stayed in. Started compiling those. And that that was basically the editing exercise. Now if I sort of flick through it, I can't really tell who wrote which because it sort of became an amalgam of the two of us mm. and our two styles for each entry. So yeah, that was that was pretty much the process behind it. And it really helped too, because there are some things that the person didn't actually do very much, but there was a lot going on around them. And you'd write it all in. And then between the two of us, you'd be able to say, well, yeah, but all they did was this. So it was really helpful to have that. And especially like with some of the comic strips, it was actually really hard to work out what had gone on because they were so nutty. It was helpful because Alan had read them as well, that we could go through them. And sometimes it was going back and reading them again. But yeah, it was very odd. It was very odd, some of those, trying to actually work out what you put, because some a lot of the characters didn't weren't given names. It was very weird. Yeah, the, the hardest thing really was that we decided fairly early on that, you know, because we've got a lot of these sort of encyclopedias of fictional worlds around the house, and we're like just dipping into them. Like you said, you know, oh, who's that character and so forth. Mm. So we realized early on that basically each of the entries had to be able to stand on its own. Somebody had to be able to just dive in, pick an entry and read it and understand it on its own. So they all, each of them also had to have context that you could actually read it on its own without having to have read anything around it or any of the other relevant entries for that story. And that became quite difficult to actually figure out for each entry. But hopefully we got there. It's got to have a consistent tone, hasn't it? it yeah. It's no use if, if you go on at length on one character 
and then not on another one. And you've got to, like you say, the certain characters we might find funny screenshots. <laughs> I, I can't believe I mentioned this guy. Again. Go, go for like it. The man, the man with the golden gun, you know, the, the guy in Thailand. The, the bad bon love, you know that guy? Um, <laughs> yeah. He's obviously not got a name. He has no bearing really <laughs> other than, than my memory. Yeah, people like that, you can't exactly put man who uh, J.W. Pepper caused to crash into a wall or something like that. You, you right. have to no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. line somewhere, don't you? You, yeah. you say yeah. that, well, Tom, but I've got to confess that when I got the PDF, I did go control find and start typing in debap on love and see if I can find it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a phonetic lexicon. It's probably in our notebooks because you would do that. You'd write down, yeah. you know, oh, guy who did this in the hope that at some point later on in the movie, somebody would actually mention his name. Mention his name. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. As a nerd on how like things like dictionaries are created by people called lexicographers, you know, like people like Samuel Johnson and that sort of thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm finding it fascinating the pr- the process that you just went through. I know at the start of the book you say that you intended it, it you know, this will only take us a year, but it actually yeah. took you nearly nine, didn't wow. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It did, yeah. Six years of actual work. There, there was stops and starts in it, but yes, it uh, from from us actually was, sort of. Was there ever a point where you thought, "Oh, we're just never going to get there. Let's just give up"? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, lots of those. <laughs> yeah, lots. We had quite a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. Particularly when we we had we had a break, and then we we decided we, we were going to come back and finish it. And we had a, we had a lot of discussions around: should we finish it? Is there any point in finishing it? You know, and then it was like, no, we're, you know, we're going to go do this. We're going to finish it off. Um, well, we also lost our original publisher. So right. that was a bit where we were like, well, what do we do now? You know, because we you kind of get a bit stuck then. If you don't have a publisher, is there any point in keeping going? But at that point, we were relatively close to the end. So we decided, well, even just for ourselves to know we finished it yeah. was going to be something. So we decided to keep going at that point and found another publisher along the way. So it worked out. But it was a moment where we looked at each other and goes, oh, you know, what are we going to do now? was quite quite hard, wasn't that? Yeah. You've got to tailor it to what the publisher wants as well because they might not have the same, you know, word counts or other things like that. And Yeah, well, the, the original publisher, when we actually did that first one and it came out at 700 pages, he was like, this might be two volumes. And I'm like, I actually really don't want two volumes. I want to try and keep it as, as yeah. one and stuff. Um, and yeah, there was, because they'd actually already done a couple of other lexicons. They'd done a Planet of the Apes lexicon and a Back to the Future one. They'd obviously developed a house style of how they wanted stuff laid out in those other two. So uh, yeah, we uh, at one point we literally had to go through and change certain dashes to colons in every single entry to meet their style and stuff like that so yeah i'm surprised yeah. you say that you you took stuff out because as I, you can open any page of this book <laughs> yeah like i literally just opened it up to find out and i've just found out the name of this the na- the naval commander at the submarine pen in the spy who loved me movie and i'm like where is that in the dialogue? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, like, like going back through the film in my head, and I'm sure they mentioned Benson at some point, but maybe they don't. I don't know. But I've never noticed that detail. And I can, Spy Love Me is one of those Bond films I can probably, I thought I could quote verbatim. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm just like, there is, honestly, you can't open a page of this book without noting, without learning something that you didn't know before. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, how did you decide that threshold of, what doesn't get included because that seems like some pretty esoteric kind of knowledge the name of the the naval base commander <laughs> well a lot of it a lot of it was if they didn't have a name if they were like thug number two yeah who just stood in the background looking threatening they were out 
Right. Uh, that, that that was really that kind of thing. People who didn't push the the narrative didn't you didn't really have much to say, and especially if they didn't have a name, that would have made it. You know, how do you put somebody in? He doesn't have a name. Made it easier to get yeah. rid of those. And then Alan can tell you about the one. I was going to say, yeah, but we did miss some people, and I'm going to look it up on the website just to make sure I get this right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we've had some interesting conversations since then from people who have like. Uh, you know, I think I did do say in the beginning of the book, you know, if we missed your favorite characters, sorry, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you had a favorite thug, um, <laughs> you know, and we didn't put him in. How did you decide how long to make some of the entries? Was it literally just like we've exhausted material on this person or did you kind of have personal favorites and you thought, I want to write more about them? Yeah, we did find there were some of them that we ended up with really long entries and then it's like well they actually really didn't do that much do, do they deserve you know if you look at some of the bond girls some of the bond girls have got really long entries and some of them have got really short entries because they didn't really do much they, they, they didn't really fill out the characters much in terms of backstory or any others and of course the others you know if they were in like the novelizations i think i think the benson thing actually comes from the movie novelization, not uh-huh. necessarily the movie. Oh, right. I think, without looking at that. If only there was a book where I could look that up. Um, <laughs> 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 you ended up with a bit of a different weighting, I guess, depending on how much information there was out there. I mean, if you think about Jules, there's hardly anything about him in the movies, but if yeah. you go in the movie, the novelization, it gives yeah. like his real name, his whole backstory, how he ended up with the jaw injury, how he ended up. Wow. working for Stromberg and stuff like that. So, you know, he's got a really long entry compared to what he did on screen. So the one we one we missed, one of my co-hosts pointed on, on a Magic Secret podcast pointed it out because it's one of his favorite background characters was uh, Green 4 in Oof. The Living Daylights, the agent in the kitchen who has that yeah, awesome yeah. fight. We missed him. He's not in the book. <laughs> <laughs> but he's now on the website. He is on the website. I just looked it up. He is on the website. So yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's a, great, it's a great scene, isn't it? But... I, yeah. I was thinking recently, is that Green Forter base? Is that yeah, yeah. whoever's yeah. at that location? Doesn't necessarily mean that's his name. It's like I know, but that's the code name or yeah, whatever. Sort of, but, yeah, yeah. I, I can't yeah. help it at this point. I, I don't know if anyone anyone here is a. We're all British. I don't know if anyone here is kind of like a fan of Blackadder. But I'm imagining, oh, I'm imagining yeah. the scene where they have Samuel Johnson play <laughs> yes. Bobby Coltrane, <laughs> yeah. and he's realizing that he's just he's finished his dictionary and he hasn't got like some stuff in there like the word sausage and that sausage. kind of thing. And sausage, <laughs> you know, it's it's that kind of like oh god. I have a novel. Once upon a time, there was a lovely little sausage called Sausage. Sausage! Oh, I didn't think it was that bad. I think you'll find he left sausage out of his dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and Vark. How anxious did you feel about being completist? As Jill said, we have a few obsessions around this house. I am somewhat of a completist when it comes. I used to have a massive Batman collection, which we liquidated over the years. So I'm, I'm very much a, a completist on, if I get into something, I really go deep on it. He has to have all the all the covers, <laughs> all the different versions of the Ian Fleming novels. He has to have all of them. Yeah, Jill can't understand why I need 14 different copies of Casino Royale mm-hmm. in my office. But uh... <laughs> Jill, I think my husband would feel your pain. <laughs> well, see, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Agatha Christie fan. I have almost all of her books. And when we were moving some, one fell apart. And Alan was like, oh, you need to get that one. And I said, actually, I don't because it's in this compilation. So I have the story. But he's like, but you don't have the paperback. And I'm like... <laughs> 
I don't care. I still have the story. That's the important bit for me. No, no. But no. <laughs> no, I do that when I, whenever I'm bookshopping, I take pictures of, you know, if I say a Christie thing, I, I, I send it to her. And I, oh, do you have this edition? She's like, I've got the book. And I'm like, yeah, but do you have this edition? She's like, I don't care. It's like, ah. <laughs> well, be fair. I guess Christie wrote an awful lot more than me and Fleming Fleming, did, yeah, yeah. So, so I actually yeah. wanted to, another one that wasn't in the book, and this is a slightly different approach. So actually every day on our Bond Lexicon Twitter account, I put an entry from the lexicon each day. We're in the middle of the letter H. And I put one up for somebody called Harling who was in the book. And I got a note from somebody saying, yeah, but isn't that also the name of the guy who was the typesetter in The Spy Who Loved Me? And I'm like, I I think so, but I'm not sure. So she actually sent me a picture of the page out of the novel with the name. And it's like, okay, that's going on the website. Well, I'm going to have, I said, I'll make you a promise. We'll put him on the website. So yeah. So the the typesetter of the newspaper that Vivian Michaels worked at is now in the, on the website. (laughs) Wow. Oh my gosh. So you think we're deep Bond geeks. There's always somebody out there who knows. Disappointed they didn't find this person. (laughs) I can't believe it. But it's cool. It's cool that people find these things and send them because, you know, it means that we're not the only people that are that nerdy oh, and care yeah. you know it's, it's... <laughs> and clearly that person was someone who really knew that novel and i think yeah, yeah, yeah. One, of the, one of the things that instantly endeared me to this book when i uh, when i first got it was that you there is no seeming like preference for some of the stories over others mm-hmm. like i don't have an affinity with james bond jr i was too old to watch it really when the cartoons were on tv but you've you've exhort you've you know you've gone there but the, yeah. one, the one that i do love which doesn't get much love but does in your book including several illustrations and detailed entries is casino royale 1967 yeah oh, yes. I, I love I that love. film oh thank you so do i <laughs> i will defend it to the to the <laughs> ends of the earth i will defend that movie and have done on several pod- podcasts already yeah um, well, I, I wrote a night yeah, article about it last year so it, it, yeah, and it yeah. was definitely a passion <laughs> project of mine one of the things we try to do right up front is actually not show bias. Yes, we've clearly got our favorite movies. We've got movies we don't like. We've got our favorite books. But the idea was to be as factual as possible. You know, mm. this was about cataloging or annotating the stories, the 271 officially licensed James Bond stories that we covered um, and trying not to show any bias at all, which was actually at times quite hard. Yeah. Was it quite difficult to see what, what's canon and what is non-canon? What we did was if it was licensed by E.ON, or Ian Fleming publications, then we counted it. Mm. If it wasn't licensed, then we didn't cover it. Because people, you know, we've I've had people saying, you know, well, you know, what about Bond? You know, Bond appears in just going to the comics, the uh, Alan Moore League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think it's like the third or fourth volume, and the, the most recent one, the Tempest one. There's like a whole Bond thing of running through of the multiple Bonds. Bond, you know, Kim Newman's book, Anna. Dracula has a Scottish agent who drives a silver sports car. Hint, hint. Um, you know, the, there's, there's, there's lots of those. You know, there's a copy of Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. where Bond turns up outside S.H.I.E.L.D.'s headquarters, but they're not licensed by, you know, those are not officially licensed uh, appearances, so they didn't, didn't make the book. So that, that was really our guardrails was, was this an officially licensed thing, which is why Casino Royale 67 is in there because it was an officially sanctioned project. It's why Never Say Never's in there because, you know, they had the rights to do it. You say you worked with the Ian Fleming Foundation. Can you just tell us a bit about that? That's that's fascinating in itself. So the Ian Fleming Foundation, which is not Ian Fleming Publications, Ian Fleming Publications hold the rights to, for you know Ian Fleming's books and stuff. The Ian Fleming Foundation is a non-profit organization here in the US. It is chartered with promoting the works of Ian Fleming and encouraging literature studies 
at several universities. We actually run scholarships at several universities here in uh, in the US. So that's the official blurb. The really cool way is the way that we raise money for those scholarships is we actually rescue and restore James Bond movie vehicles oh. and props. And we currently own about 40 James Bond movie vehicles. Most ni- 19 out of the vehicles that were in the bu- Bond in motion in London, uh, in Fleming Foundation. The one that's just opened in the uh, US, I think they have about 30 of our vehicles in. We have literally, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, I just posted the pictures on Twitter this week. Our latest acquisition is the foot. F- the front 25 feet of Goldfinger's lucky Jetstar from the movie, which was found in a scrapyard in Missouri and is in a hell of a state, but it's going <laughs> to be a long-term restoration project. So, yeah, so twice a year, Jill and I go up there, uh, up to our workshops and get to play, sorry, work very diligently <laughs> um, on helping to restore James Bond movie vehicles. Um, so you, It's yeah. funny you say that because I know I'm not very good at cars, to be honest, apart from the like the star vehicles in each of the books and the films. But there's like a whole page of just Bentleys here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just I was like, mm, you know, someone has clearly paid a particular attention to cars. <laughs> yeah, that, that's I'm a car. That's that sort of got me what into the Fleming Foundation. I, I'm going to sort of name drop here, but I was doing a, a book signing for my previous Bond book alongside uh, Raymond Benson. We were doing a, a joint book signing at a, a, a bookstore in Houston and we were having dinner afterwards and we were just chatting and Raymond said, well, you clearly know Bond, obviously from the conversations, you're clearly into vehicles and cars and mm. planes and stuff. He said, I've got a bunch of guys that you should meet. And he he sort of gave us the intro to the guys at the Ian Fleming Foundation. Been going, what, 10 years now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just over 10 years. Yeah. So we've got, to, we've, got, we've got to work on some really cool stuff. That's uh, sometimes we, when you just walk in that work, I mean, every time we go up there and you will just walk into the workshop and just see what's there, it's just like, pinch me, this, this can't be yeah, real. Yeah, that's you know? awesome. Yeah. Can I please ask if about... I get to, we can sit in them and... Selfies. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, oh, I, yeah. We have a lot of those. We yeah. have a lot of selfies, yeah. <laughs> sorry. So can actually, I, I was talk, talking to the guys on the, I think, sorry to name drop. No, no, you go. I was talking to the guys on the Bond, <laughs> Bond and Beyond podcast, and we actually, between us, we figured out that actually my arse has sat where every James Bond arse has sat. So <laughs> I, All yeah, six of them. I, yeah. All six of them, yes. Yeah. So. Are, yeah, we, yeah. are we including David Niven, though? I was just saying, I knew... I knew no, 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 sorry. No, yeah. I love the illustration of David Niven in this book. Yeah, yeah, the illustrations yeah. are amazing. Yeah, I was going to mention them. Yeah. Pat yeah. Yeah, Pat, yeah, he did an amazing job. I mean, I, I didn't really know Pat at the time. He'd done, like I said, our first publisher had done another couple of lexicons and Pat had done the illustrations for those. So when we started, they were like, oh yeah, we've got, you know, we got somebody who can do the illustrations. And I was like, oh, okay, this is what, you know, you know, can we have like 20, we want like an illustration for each letter of the alphabet. So we want like 26 and maybe, you know, maybe a couple of others. And Pat turned in 80. <laughs> and they were, when amazing. the first ones kept coming in the email, email box, I was like, these are amazing. And I reached out to Pat and it turns out, yeah, I'm a big James Bond fan. I was just, you know, so you asked me to write, draw James Bond, I'd be doing it anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they are absolutely amazing. Pat actually apparently did, uh, you might be, may or may not be aware of my uh, my fandom for Jim Fanning, who, of course, yes. is in the book. He wasn't. Yes. Um, <laughs> Great character. As it says yeah. here, the Secret Service's resident fine art expert. He identified the Fabergé egg recovered by 009. Nothing about a bow tie, but I'll, yeah. I'll forgive, I'll forgive <laughs> that. I'll give that a mission. Sorry. Pat actually said that I think he did an illustration of Fanning, but it didn't quite hit the it, 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 the book was already being printed by that point. But he sent me the image anyway. I, 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 I was incredibly honoured to to actually be able to see that. So that was really uh, nice. very cool. Yeah. Oh. 
I mean, my observation with the pictures, firstly, I absolutely love how under Felix Leiter, that you've got the definitive Felix Leiter, David Hedison. That was the right picture. To have. <laughs> absolutely. That was a bit of bias. I will say that was a bit of bias. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was chuffed to bits when I saw that. But the other one, and, I, and, and, and my question was actually about how did you choose which pictures to get? But I think you probably answered that with doing one for each letter. Because I was absolutely fascinated that you, for the picture of V, you had Vavra. Because uh, this this is a character that it, I've watched from Russia with Love hundreds of times, know who he is, but never knew he even yeah. had a name. And all of a sudden, I've got this massive picture of, oh, this is Vavra. <laughs> like, this book, look at him. Oh, right yeah. like, this yeah. book is just incredible. This, um, so I've made it. So I'm actually, I'm... So on, go for it. I will. I will. I will say, tell you a secret. Um, so, David, turn to the letter I. I'm going to I now. Hang on. <laughs> this is fascinating audio. Amanda. Okay. So, yeah, right, this is great podcast. Okay. So, what what does that picture have to do with the yeah. letter I? Isn't that the brandy he's drinking? No. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, actually, it has nothing because when we were putting the book together, I suddenly realized that we did not actually have an image for the letter I for the ah. main image. And then I remembered the quote that when he's drinking that brandy, he says something like an intriguing blend of something and something. And I'm like, oh, we used the word intriguing. I'm going to put that picture on, on the letter I. Yeah, because that was a momentary. Oh, well. <laughs> no, cheers. Cheers. Pity about your liver, sir. It's an unusually fine Solera. 51, I believe. There is no year for sherry, 007. I was referring to the original vintage on which the sherry is based, sir. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 1851. Unmistakable. I was trying to work that out, actually, and I thought, I'm sure what Alan and Gillian can tell me. But, <laughs> no, I didn't brilliant. know that one. I didn't know that. So. Yeah. I love how some of the illustrations, uh, and, and this is what I love about Pat's art generally, is that he doesn't just copy existing images. He puts them in yeah. poses. So uh, yeah. even though you didn't choose the best Blofeld in my book, <clears throat> which, of course, is Charles Gray, not Telly Sinhalas. Uh-huh. I can see John looking at me now. We, we, have, a, we have a friendly rivalry going on between Diamond and Non-Imagine <laughs> <laughs> Service. 
Um, we'll get to continuity in a minute, John. We will. <laughs> uh, but but we've got Teddy Savala's Blofeld. But if you've got yeah. the book, turn to that image because it is like the campistas Christmas image of, of that <laughs> Blofeld. I get so sick to death of people saying, oh, Telly Savalas is the best Blofeld because he's a physical threat, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, but here he is cradling the white cat with his cigarette in that wonderful position but then that image never quite appears in the movie i, I just no. love it i just love it yeah i will say one of the things pat's other the uh, donald pleasant's blofeld his illustration of that i think he gets blofeld's menace across much better mm. in that picture than than donald pleasant's actually did in the movie i think he's mm. much more scary in pat's i mean it is clearly donald pleasant's is blofeld but I think he's a lot scarier in that image than he actually ever ever felt in the movie. Um, I, that was one of the ones that when I owned it in my email, from my you know email and it sort of popped up on my screen, I was like, oh my god, that's brilliant. Comic book sensibilities are amazing of them. Yeah. They, they like, make them larger than life and yeah, really yeah. 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 Wonderful. Am I right in saying that the longest entry in the book is actually Bond himself? Because yeah, there are, because and I love, I love, love, love. I mean, this book is obviously an invaluable resource, but it's got a couple of really interesting, like essays slash articles at the start, particularly around continuity in the world of Bond. And this again, where John and I may have a friendly disagreement, because <laughs> John can't handle it that in Diamonds of Forever, Bond basically moves on so quickly after right. his his wife's death and finds Money Penny's line about getting a diamond ring just just it just cuts to the heart of him really whereas whereas you am i right in saying the kind of gist of your article is essentially yes it's a bit irksome the lack of continuity but just get over it everybody yeah pretty much yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and and considering we just wrote a a book of what 450 odd 30 odd pages 454 pages which is actually completely based on the idea of bond continuity that i actually lead it with a with a essay about just get over it i think is a bit ironic but um yeah i can yeah that, that's fuming. oh not at all <laughs> not at all I, i'm i'm all for it you, you know my my qualms with diamonds are forever and on the magic secret service continuity are nothing compared to putting the daniel craig timeline in its own separate universe and then throwing dot to no references all over no time to die that's far more confusing <laughs> to <than> me <laughs> <laughs> this essay starts with the db5 in skyfall john so you know yeah 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 but he won it in a yeah. card game at casino royale so it's okay no it's a different db5 no, different db5 oh anyway can, <laughs> I, can actually, I ask a question about the making they, of the book please they actually <laughs> wanted to use the, the, the purvis and wade wrote it in as if it was the db5 from the card game in casino royale in the script but sam mendes wanted the goldfinger db5 Ejector seat and everything. Ejector seat and everything. Uh, Q could have modified it, though. That's what I always say. <laughs> what, in, yeah. in that time frame? There's only like two months between those two scenes, if you think about them. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, I'm going to have right. It's a rabbit hole. I'm going to have to read your essay just to get it into my brain. Get over it, John. I think that's the only reason. I <laughs> <laughs> the, the James Bond entry has 28 different James Bonds. Yeah, so and that's good. probably a conservative oh. estimate because we, we the one thing we didn't cover in here is the video games because we're not gamers and it's not an area no. or the role-playing games, which, again, people have offered to help us do for the future. So there's probably way more than 28 versions of Bond out there, but those are the 28 that we covered, yeah, or found about, yeah. found and covered. Wow. That actually sort of helps perhaps the argument that the ending of No Time to Die isn't as massive as uh, some no. might make it think if... If there are so many mm. ones, but I wanted to ask you about what your thoughts on on that were in terms of the continuity, 
And what do you think sort of not saddos like us, what do you think the casual viewer would, would make of all that? Interestingly, I'm, I'm going to take this one. Interestingly, Please last Sunday I was getting my hair done because you might not believe it, but this colour is not natural. <laughs> Are we going magenta? I'm not very good on coloured names. So- no, but it's, it's a mixture of four different colours. So wow. who the hell knows what it. it's called. Thank you. But I was so I was at my hairdresser's for like five hours last Sunday, and we're talking about it, and we end up talking about No Time to Die because she'd recently seen it. You know, she's a she's a fan, but not obviously mm. as deep as us. And she was like, "Well, what are they going to do now?" You know, she was in a total panic. Is Bond gone? Are we finished? Is that it? We're not going to get any more Bond movies. I think that might be your casual viewer mm. because I've had a few comments from that from from other people too that. Oh, what happens now? You know, or I'm so sad Daniel Craig's gone. I think he's really hot. And I'm like, well, that's your opinion, but whatever. But yeah, that's that's the, that's the opinion I've been hearing is, mm. does that mean we're done with Bond or is it going to be Nomi as 007? And I'm like, well, it does say at the end of the credits, James Bond will be back. Yeah. They say 007 will be back. So For the casual viewer, I think the fact that they put that right at the very end of the very yeah. end credits, was the wrong thing to do. I think it should have been where Absolutely. it traditionally was at the end of the cast list, where people would have still basically been seen. Because there's only, you know, it still blows my mind when I go and see a Marvel movie, half the people get up and leave before the end of the credits. I'm like, you're missing part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, most people are going to get up and wander out the cinema. There's only going to be us weirdos who, you know, sit there and watch every single credit scroll by and see that James True. Bond will return at the end. So, um, most people these days understand that, you know, actors get replaced, things get rebooted. You know, people didn't really have a problem that the Daniel Craig movies were a reboot of, of what went before. It's, like I said, it's only us people who, you know, get, what the hell's that DB5 doing there? Most people don't, w- would have been just like, oh, that's cool. It'll come back, they'll do something, and we'll all settle down in the movie theater and hopefully watch a gun barrel and just enjoy what enjoy what comes next. So I, I, I've looked, you asked earlier about watching that sort of, you know, the Bond franchise over the years mm. um all the way from connery through to daniel craig the one thing i've learned is just to sit back and enjoy the movies each movie yeah. that comes out yeah. yeah oh that is a lie <laughs> i not enjoy all the movies <laughs> i said as they come out i might think my my opinion may change over time um skyfall has it gone up or down or oh, oh, down. Down. oh wow okay. rapidly I'm down. the same yeah uh, yes. quantum kind of, of the solace same. went up on a rewatch yes Correct, yes. Yes. <laughs> Not for John, but yeah. But I found with Casino Royale, Alan had to put up with after, because we did a rewatch before going to see No Time to Die, and we were after Casino Royale, I'd be sat there going, but why? And I would go off on these rants about things, and now I've really thought about the plot holes in that movie. I don't think I like it quite as much as I used to. <gasps> mm. so. Yeah, we disagree on that one. Still... Do, one of my top ones. Yeah, do you find that was, our front, that was our front doorbell? Just in case Someone's you're wondering. Yes, thank you, Google. All right, <laughs> I'm going to get the door now. This is the perils of live podcasting on a Sunday, and the man is now knocking the door. Anyway, what I was going to say is, do you did you find as you were doing your massive project that you kind of your appreciation changed because you were having to look in so much detail? That's what I certainly found when I looked at Quantum of Solace in detail. I was like, because I was having to slow it down because that film is so bloody fast. Because I was having to slow it down, I actually kind of appreciated it more. Did you find that with any of these films, books, um, 
comics, etc. Yeah, I think so. Because you start to pick up the nuances. You start to pick up things that maybe do slide by too quickly, particularly in the movies. And in the books, too, some of the references. You know, when you've done a deep dive and then you, 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 you further in the books, you're like, oh, okay, I can see how that works or why this character was brought back or not. You can actually also see the plot holes a lot more, too. Mm. So, you know, you're like, well, hang on. Particularly when you're trying to write, like, an entry around somebody and you're going back to, like, a previous appearance or, you know, where they fit within the overall story and you start to realize that things actually don't add up the way that you maybe previously thought they did so yeah i think it worked both ways there were certain things they appreciated more and other things i think the one you know from just the fleming novels i think it, it pushed moonraker to the top of my fleming novel list i really enjoyed that one that that happened as you said that you know the more we dove into skyfall the quicker it dropped down the list you know i didn't like it anyway so, so. it it didn't have very far to fall in my <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was one of those that was one of those movies we came out and i was like i quite enjoyed that and then we sat down and had a pizza and a beer and jill's going well what about this what about this what about and i'm yeah. like Gee, within about half an hour she's like completely changed my mind about the movie oh. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just such a product of its time yeah and it is and yeah. it's interesting yeah. you actually include the olympics video yeah. with the queen yeah. in your book and it's kind of of that time isn't it yeah. so uh, Very yeah. Much. yeah yeah what are, what are the entries actually to do because I've, I've gone through it trying to find as many as i can but what are the, apart from you know the plot detail of one day james bond went and took the queen out in a helicopter and she jumped <laughs> how, how many entries does that bit appear in i think that's or, probably it i think it's just yeah. that one it's that that version of james bond yeah because i don't think i don't think i actually put an entry in for queen elizabeth the second maybe no, I, I did look i did look. <laughs> and also, and also just cool, really. i thought the yeah, level of yeah. detail in this yeah, book, yeah. i thought there might be something about corgi dogs <laughs> hi this is julie t wallace you're about to listen to Really, 007 podcast. You mentioned the vehicles, and you've obviously had, had a lot to do with those in real life. Yeah, but I find it brilliant that you'd, you'd given a list of all the number plates for every oh. single car and vehicle that's been in. I mean, this is the stuff of pub quiz dreams. Yeah, this is, this is incredible. It is, yeah. So, actually, so back in May, so the book came out in April, and in May, we had the first of this year's. Uh, in Fleming Foundation meetups, which was an interesting one because basically all the vehicles had just come back from the Bond in Motion in London. So there was we got to play with some of the vehicles that we hadn't before because they'd been in London, which was cool. One of the guys were like, well, if you guys have come, come up, can we celebrate the book coming out? Can you do a quiz for the members of the Ian Fleming Foundation who are there that weekend? So we're like, okay, we're going to do this. But this is, you know, guys who are real deep mm-hmm. Bond geeks and into it. So we, we went... They told re- us to make it hard. They said, okay. make it as hard as you can. <laughs> We demolished them. There was guys there who, you know, had been bomb geeks for like 50-odd years, 60-odd years, and they, they were like, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> so, so, but we, we have done a couple of trivia nights since then, and we've, we've made it a lot easier. But uh, we Have you been invited on the is, Thunderballs radio quiz yet? No, not okay, yet. So no. On that, I, think, I think that you would demolish that, to be honest. They have some very, very yeah. tricky questions, but I think you yeah. would become the <laughs> Yeah, but is it an open book exam? <laughs> yeah, <it was> just <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. So actually, the, num- the number plates thing was interesting because I was going through, and I kept, as we were going through, I kept thinking, we're missing the number plate from the car from Goldeneye. And then it was like, I saw a picture online, and it's like, oh, there is no front number plate. Maybe something just blanked it out. And then I went, but it must be in the movie because they drive it. So it must be registered. So I'm going through the movie, and it isn't because actually they only drive it on a dirt road yeah. in Cuba. So it's actually never driven on the public road in the movie. So it actually doesn't have a front number plate, doesn't have a registration plate in the movie. But that was driving me nuts because I was oh. like, I'm sure there must, I, I've got to be able to find the registration plate of that 
BMW Z3 somewhere, but it doesn't have one. So can I just put something in there? Yeah. I have got a toy car of that Z3. Yeah. And it <laughs> does have a number plate on the back of it. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm not, oh, what, the Corgi it's one? It's the Corgi one, yeah. Damn, that's on my it's on my shelf in the office. I maybe maybe I didn't turn it round. <laughs> yeah, I am ninety percent sure there is one on the back on the corgi one. Okay, so you might want right. to check that out. I'm going to check that. out. check that out right and after it, this. It, if I'm talking nonsense, you website. might want to cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you may be right. You John, may be right. You just ruined Alan's Sunday. I, oh, yeah. oh, maybe. <laughs> oh, you know, I might be healthier. Yeah. I don't know. I might have made it. Yeah. 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 It's actually one of the fun things. I mentioned it earlier. You know, people just do come up with this stuff. It's like, hey, what about this? What about that? And it's like, oh, okay. You know, if there's evidence for it, we'll, we'll add it to the, you know, the updates on the website. So. Roughly sourced. No fake news. <laughs> no. Nope. Can I ask about the process of doing it as a man and wife? Is that all right? The reason why this is, is, is that <laughs> um, my wife, hates james bond right she despises it <laughs> oh dear and, and i was saying to tommy say she's currently recovering from a knee operation so she's immobile so uh, all i'm having to do i'm just sitting at home just watching films with her at the moment and it was my choice for a film last night and i thought right if there is any time to get her into james bond it's while she cannot get up off the couch and if i put <laughs> why she can't run away, she can't run away. <laughs> and if i put her phone in the other room she has to watch it for my sins i don't know why i did it but i thought the best film for her to watch was a view to a kill which like <laughs> yeah. oh, <man. laughs> well that, that's it she's never it was, it was a, i think it was the i think it was the christopher walken approach that i thought i got it but it, it was a bad shot. It was an own goal from me. And I, <laughs> oh, no. and, and I think that I've just come to the, I've come to the conclusion that my marriage is never going to include James Bond. I'm going to have, it's just going to be the second part of my life that I hide away from my wife. But the, the, the <laughs> process of managing to write a book together, but obviously it being also all consuming as well. Can you still have Bond as a thing that you enjoy together as a couple or does it blur into work so much these days as well? It sounds like therapy, John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was going to say, you did say earlier. I, I apologise. Is Providing <laughs> listening services to people is what I do on a day-to-day job. I did not mean to become a therapist <laughs> by any stretch. I apologise. Yeah, Bond is still a thing we enjoy. We still talk about it. Probably add no- way too much for normal people. I will say, doing doing the comic strips, I thought maybe he hated me because some of them were so absolutely ridiculous. I'm like, why is he making me read these things? <laughs> but I was doing James Bond Jr. at the same time, so I'm like, that's equal sacrifice. No, I don't think it's affected our enjoyment. In some respects, I think it's improved mine because I know so much more. Mm than I did before and and through it I've got to sit in some very cool cars and I've driven Pierce Brosnan around in Daniel Craig's, in Daniel Craig's car. Mondeo so excuse me just a model there's a, there's a, <laughs> we, have, we have this life-size dummy of of um Pierce Brosnan as James Bond in his in his dinner suit and he sits around and they put occasionally he gets a big martini glass and other times he gets a little martini glass and he sits in chairs or he sits in cars and he just kind of moves around the the space at times. But he was in the back of the car when basically I don't have that much muscle. So it was like, well, she can drive it while we all push it. So because it doesn't have an engine. So I was joking about that. I, I drove Pierce Carson <laughs> around in Daniel Craig's car. <laughs> I think the Mondeo. I think we should start a Twitter competition, finish this sentence. <laughs> if I had a life-size dummy of Piers Brosnan, I would. <laughs> well, actually, I don't know if you can see this, but this is actually oh. 
Jill attack, attacking Piers Brosnan with a lint roller in a very, very personal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was very dusty. Oh, wow. He Never was very dusty. They'd been sanding down something in the in the hangar. And uh, uh, and Piers actually has good readings. Oh, he knows, doesn't he? Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, it was, it's a life-size dummy they use for distance shots in The, the World Is Not Enough. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> so good. I don't want anyone to make some joke about oh Pierce Brosnan is a dummy or anything. I don't want to hear it. No, 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 no. no. He's our favourite Bond. Yeah. Is he? Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Please say why, because this is yeah. brilliant. I think Pierce for me. When I think about Bond and what I want Bond to be, Pierce, I think is the closest to it. I, I'll give Timothy. Tim is the closest to Fleming's Bond, but Pierce is the closest to my Bond in my head. I, it's not that I see Pierce when I'm like necessarily reading the books. It's all an amalgam of, of the various interpretations. But if you ask me for you know somebody who looks sharp, can do the action, can do the humor, can do the serious stuff, um, enjoys his job, unlike a certain person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not paid you to say this. This is not, you know. so. Yeah, he clearly enjoys being James Bond. He, cl- he clearly enjoyed being having been James Bond because he still talks about it and still, you know, gets engaged with with the fans and stuff. I will say he's probably the only man on earth who's made me question my own sexuality too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I'm with you, Alan. Yeah. I, I had I had my tuxedo made like like Piers's in Die Another Day. So uh, oh, wow. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> so you guys, massive fans of the world, is not enough. No, oh, I like it. <laughs> so well, I like I like like it. So yeah, Goldeneye is my favorite. Goldeneye is our favorite. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Goldeneye is probably the movie you said about enjoying Bond. If we want to sit down and say let's watch a Bond movie tonight, I would say probably seventy percent of the time it's Goldeneye that gets yeah. Bond. See, it's Tomorrow Never Dies in our house. Yeah, oh, there you go. What a collection. <laughs> but Jill, what? Why is Pierce your favorite then? Most of the reasons Alan said. Plus, yeah. he's sexy as hell. I mean, sure. so I'll tell you. I'll tell you our favorite Pierce Brosnan story. So I mentioned it right up front. We live in Texas. We live in in Austin, in the center of Texas, which has a big film uh, and TV yeah. uh, presence here. They make a lot of movies here. We were out one day with our daughter and son-in-law out in the Texas Hill Country and driving back, and we were like, "Where should we stop for lunch?" And it's like, "Oh, let's go to." Um, there's a particular. Tex-Mex place in downtown Austin that we like to go to. And it's like, oh, well, let's go there. So we stopped there and I'm sat at the table and I pull my phone out, flicking through Instagram. And there's Pierce on Pierce's Instagram is a picture of him sat at that restaurant about an hour before we got there. And you're like, damn. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was in town. He was in town filming uh, that Western series he did recently for The Sun. The Sun, yeah. 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 He was coming coming to Austin a lot. Yeah. And he was actually. He put a picture of himself sitting on the patio eating his uh, his his chips and queso at that particular Tex-Mex, and we we're like, really, an hour? We missed him like by an oh, hour. of all the places. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, but he was here for quite a long time, and you kind of hoped that you were going to meet him, but we never did. Yeah. So. Oh dear, there's time yet. There's time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I liked I liked Timothy Dalton too, oh. but he oh. was his haircut drove me nuts. <laughs> um, which is, I know, a bit silly, but his haircut and. Um, and it was sadly just the wrong time for a more serious bond. Mm. I think it was a bit too jarring after Roger Moore. 
I don't know if I'm because during our rewatch, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to rewatch a Roger Moore movie after we watch them because I just I just found them too hard to watch. <laughs> a, a few weeks ago, my husband and I had a couple of our friends round, uh, a married couple, uh, two lesbians. So it was kind of like two gays and two lesbians watching Bond films together. <laughs> so there's a title for a podcast. Well, yeah, I already did. We did record it, so you have to listen to it. It was kind of a last minute thing. I just grabbed the laptop and put it there because we had such strong views. But to cut a long story short, we ended up doing a double bill, and the martinis were responsible for this, of Casino Royale. So one of them one, one of them, had never seen a Bond film before of any description, and the other one loved Bond films as a kid. But because she was a girl and she was growing up in Ireland in the 90s, it wasn't a girl thing to do. So she'd mm-hmm. kind of been forced out of loving Bond. Uh, but we watched Casino Royale and they both loved that. And then we did it very similar to what John's just said. As he was saying, I was cringing. My husband then decided we were then going to follow that with a view to a kill. And I was like, oh, cheer you up. I, I, actually, I don't think you can imagine two more different Bond films. I think it's really struggle. And so, honestly, they didn't know what had hit them. Neither of them had seen a view to a kill. And it, it gets to the iceberg at the end of View to a Kill, and it was just like, what are we watching? <laughs> oh, it, it was a mistake. But fortunately, I don't think we've put them off bomb forever because we're, we're going to do round two fairly soon. But it does take some careful programming of Bond. It right? does, yeah. 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 Quantum of Solace and Moonraker could be a, a good double bill, couldn't it? <laughs> in that order to cheer you up oh dear hi i'm rob i'm simon and i'm james we want to talk about those movies those supposedly bad movies those movies that bombed to see if they weren't that bad after all join us every other tuesday on the for your reconsideration podcast part of the pod dojo podcast network you can catch us on itunes spotify and all your usual podcast apps and it won't cost you a solitary bean, mate. <laughs> it's like it's free. <laughs> it's just like it's free. <laughs> just going back to the book, guys. What, oh, yeah, we were talking about the book, weren't we? What book? I know that uh, Chris, uh, one of our guys on the podcast, Chris Goldie, uh, loves this book. And one of the bits he would love the most is the list of all the double O agents in the series. Mm. That I absolutely love that so much. Because you hear the odd little story hidden there throughout the series, don't you? And you're yeah. trying to think there was there's like been more than one of the double O numbers, haven't there? It's not like there was double O one was in one film, double O nine was in another. No. There's been multiple ones mm. of some of the numbers. Yeah, there has, yeah, yeah. Um I mean there's been I got into a discussion online <laughs> the other week on uh, somebody was like, Well, there can only be three double O's and there's this number and that number. And I'm like, No, they you know, everything from double O Zero to double O thirteen's been used, and some of them multiple da- times with different agents and stuff. And some, I, think, I can't remember which one is the one that's. I think it's double O eight or double O nine is the one that's been allocated the most. Yeah, it's been allocated the most. Yeah, you don't fare very well if you're double O eight or double O nine. No, I know, you don't. No, no, you don't. Do you think no. there's an element of hubris in that? Because obviously yeah, they're, they're, they're not supposed to be better or weaker. You know, I think it's yeah. the... Um... Yeah. Well, F- Fleming, Fleming said the thing is also they can't be consecutive numbers, but you could pick your own number. So Because that, that thing about, you know, if you do, 007, if you don't do this, we'll replace you by 008. Well, by Fleming's rules, if there's a 007, there can't be a 008 because there wasn't meant to be... There was only meant to be three of them and they couldn't have consecutive numbers. Um 
but uh, yeah, yeah, the whole double O thing is very interesting. You know, the whole background to it. You know, where just getting into the sort of the, the Fleming scholarship, where it came from, and how it's used. And of course, um, one of the great fun things about the British you know, being a you know a Brit in America is, of course, to an American is not actually. Oh, oh, 007, it's zero, zero, 007 because mm. they, you know, it's a British thing to pronounce the letter, uh, the number zero as O. Um, we Brits do it, but Americans don't. So they get confused by that. And it's like, why, why is it double O when his number's zero, zero, 007? And it's like, well, it's written zero, zero, 007, but you say it oh, oh, 007. And I'm like, why? And like, it's a British thing. Just go with it. You know. Uh, <laughs> you've, all, you've also got the code numbers for like so many other agents, like not double O's. Like I didn't know Vespaline. I'm, I'm sure I must have come across it some point, but Vespaline's code number. Anyone? Yeah. That is? Apart from Alan and Jill. <laughs> no, it's it's 3030 <laughs> <laughs> apparently. Huh? Because in Casino Royale, the book, she's actually a member of the Secret Service yes. and not the Treasury as she is in... The number that Shady Tree gives to Bond as a way to contact him in the novel of Diamonds of River. <laughs> this... <laughs> <I'm> smart. <laughs> so good. There's the, the aliases as well. I love that. The list of the aliases Bond's yeah. used. Yeah, I didn't realize there were so many. I mean, I knew yeah. about Mark Hazard, you know, the ones from the movies, and then from I, I knew the Mark Hazard one from the books, and they use that in a couple of the comic strips as well. But yeah, I think I, I did count it up. I think it's something like fifty-two different aliases that he uses. Uses, yeah. Two of them yeah. in a view to a killer, oh, well, of course. Yeah, Roger loves an alias, doesn't he? I mean, pretty much. He does. He does every yeah. film is yeah. an alias. He asks for information. Yeah. He has an alias in pretty much every single film. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Sometimes multiple ones, as you quite rightly point <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. And then if you actually add in the aliases he uses in the view to a kill, choose your own adventure books, then there's a couple more in there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've, just, I've just turned to that. Which, by the way, which is the first place in a licensed story that James Bond died is in the choose your own adventure story. Oh, I've, just, really? I've just turned yep. to the uh, aliases page, and I think I've I think I've found another omission. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, and, and so Robert doesn't he use Robert Sterling not just in Spy Who Loved Me? Yeah. Doesn't he also me. use it in Quantum of Solace? Yes, there there is some reference, isn't there? Maybe. Oh, is it on the business card? But yeah, I that's it. They didn't say it. So I suppose it's not character, is it? But still no. there. Oh. Yeah, it's on the it's on the Universal Export business card. This is this is the last time that I get invited on one of these. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> That was good. That's good. These are nothing to do with me. That was all Alan. So I'm going to have to go free frame that bit. uh, It is like, I mean, like with most things in Quantum of Solids, it's about three frames of film. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's just about, but I think it's the same point where the guy with the brush who can't actually brush on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. The The hotel one was, was amazing for me because I was just looking, reading through them. And I realized that Jennifer and I had our honeymoon in one of them in, uh, Kathmandu, the Yak and Yeti Hotel. Cool. And I was like, when we went there, it was like the most old-worldy James Bond place we'd ever been. And I've been raving about it ever since. And then to see it on that, because it was in one of the Raymond Benson novels, High Time to Kill, which I haven't read yet. So I was just like, oh, amazing. And just to have so many of them listed there. Like you say, I'm now, I think David and his husband do it a lot, don't they? But just love visiting locations and hotels and places Bond's been, bars. And I'm desperate now that hopefully we're out of lockdown you know we can sort of go free and visit more of these places now yeah, yeah. by the way i highly recommend high time to kill i think it's raymond's best book right okay right well it's a really good bond story i'm really yeah, impressed did. that in the hotels list you've got the rock hotel in gibraltar 
because uh-huh. I went for a drink there without realizing what the Bond connection was. And then I got back and read John Gardner's Win, Lose or Die. And I was like, I've had a drink in that hotel. <laughs> so so um, going back to the Raymond Benson. So Raymond is a Texan and he went to college here in, in Austin. So when he, one of his books, the first half of the book, Facts of Death, is actually set here in Austin. And the reason I actually got to know Raymond in the first place is I was actually doing some writing for Austin Monthly magazine. Um, and I'd noticed one of the Tex-Mex rest- rest- restaurants chains here in Austin, one of the local chains, had a plaque inside the door that said James Bond ate here. And I was like, Ooh. I've got to find out more about that. So I did some digging and found out basically it was this book, uh, Facts of Death, it was originally set in Austin. And he goes to Chewy's, the Tex-Mex chain um, in Austin uh, and eats there. And I was like, oh, so who wrote this book? And I, oh, it's this guy, Raymond Benson. So I reached out to Raymond and we sort of oh, became friends fr- from that point on when I was writing that article. Um, so, yeah, so I read that book without knowing Raymond or the, his connection to Austin. And the first half of the book is, is like, oh, I've eaten in that restaurant. I've div- driven down that road. That I know that place. I know. That. I was like, that's awesome. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's very cool. But, uh, yeah, we, we don't deliberately go out and look for Bond locations, but we sort of sometimes stumble onto them. I know last time we were in London, or not last time, but time before that with our daughter and son-in-law, we're just walking down the embankment and I sort of, you know, we're heading towards St. Paul's and we turn around a corner and there's the College of Arms and I just oh, completely oh. geeked out, you know. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, but... Uh, we did deliberately go to Goldeneye. We did no. deliberately go to Goldeneye. I will give you that one. That oh, yes, definitely- I know you've been there, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get the, so, the spirit of Fleming when you were there? We had a lot of spirits. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was we don't we're not traditionally beach people or sitting by the pool people, but that's all we did. Yeah, we we, well, bought, we you know we we did a tour of the Fleming Villa and you know wandered Cow- around. It we was, went up to Noel Coward's house. Oh, um, David, was, <laughs> very David, no, yeah, David, we get to Noel Coward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was really sad actually, actually his house because yeah, it doesn't have any windows doesn't have any glass so everything is set out in there as it was when he lived there uh-huh. and it's all slowly rotting oh. yeah and it was so I I came away I, I needed I needed a cocktail when we got back to Goldeneye because oh it was it was really sad because yeah. it, it it had it felt you could feel his character in there and it was very whimsical and very interesting but all the bo- books and the the soft furnishings were just all rotting yeah. because it's, yeah. you know, there's, there's shutters, but there's no glass. So it's just, everything's open to the elements. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really it sad. Really, well, I found that really sad, but Goldeneye yeah. was magical. Yeah. And there's no other word for yeah, it. Yeah. I noticed was, David was looking at the back of the book. There's actually a picture on the back of the book of the two of us at yeah. Fleming's desk in yeah. Goldeneye. So. And if I'd have known we were going to do that, I would have made sure I looked better than that. That's what <laughs> oh. I was saying. We were on vacation. We were doing a, we were doing a tour. The lady took a picture, and you're just like. Then it was like, oh yeah, we just have to use that one. We'd actually just come back from Firefly. Yeah, we had we had not long come back from the old coward's place, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Golden yeah. eyes magic. As Joe yeah. said, we're not beach people. We booked it. Talking about big holidays with an O at the end, it was one of my big holidays with an O at the end. Uh, birthdays with a O at the end. So we booked we booked it for that. After we booked it, it's like. What do we just do? We just committed to staying a week at a place which is just a beach place, and neither you know. If we go to the beach, we're usually there an hour, and then we're like, okay, where are we going to go? Um, yeah, <laughs> you know. But we did. We just got in there, and we just enjoyed it so much, and relaxed so much. Uh, we just can't wait to go back. So yeah, it, it really is a magical, magical spot. Yep. And we actually yep. have a, a big frame photograph of our from the of the view from our favorite beach at Golden Eye 
um, in, in our bedroom. So it's the first thing we see when we wake up in the morning is the views from brilliant. the oh. So do you stay in a, I know this is turning now into a travel podcast, but do you... Um, <laughs> Does that go with a couple's counselling podcast? Yeah. <laughs> part of the service. We're more than a podcast, that's the thing, you see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That should be a yeah. new tagline. <laughs> yeah. So do you stay in like a villa on the estate? Is that how it works? Because it, uh, Yeah, yeah we stayed in a beach hut. Yeah, they have multiple different types. Um, yeah. So you can rent the Fleming Villa. Oh, good Lord. The actual Fleming's Villa. If you um, have that much money. It's it's expensive, but it also, in, uh, but I think it sleeps up to like 10 people. Yeah. Um, and you get a chef. You get somebody you get that comes in with tweezers to tweak the weeds out of the grass. <laughs> yeah, you get a private chef. Because he was doing chef. that on our tour. Yeah, you get a private chef and all that sort of stuff. So, no, we did not stay there. Then within the actual Fleming Villa grounds, there's like three small, smaller mini villas, which is one of the ones they very – they pointed out it was the one that Daniel Craig stayed in when they did when they were filming No Time to Die. Shows like how long ago they were filming that yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's and then you sort of go across a bridge to the the larger part of the property, which is more of the resort part. And there, there's beachside villas which sleep four, and then there's beach huts which sleep two, and they're on stilts and stuff. And we just had one of the that's beach you, huts. That's all you, you needed. It was it was lovely. You just you just basically need a, you know a place to sleep and a, a shower uh, and bathroom and. You know, because otherwise you're just sitting at, you know, by the pool or at the bar, just sipping, you know, or eating at one of the restaurants. And it's owned by Chris Blackwell from Island Records, who also owns Blackwell Rum. So, you know, there is a, you know, just that, a nice waft of reggae music playing in the background. Oh, you're oh, drinking your rum cocktails or your, or your Vespers. It was, um, it was very, it was a very relaxed atmosphere. Um, it was very, very, very nice. Let's say one guy, all his job seemed to be all day was raking the beach. That's all he did all day. Make uh, it look nice. Um, and the staff are great. They're yeah. really personal. Uh, uh, and they get to know you really quick. Uh, they're very good at getting to know you very, very quickly. Um, so Highly highly recommend it. Yeah, I have a so, feeling uh, if you stayed in too much luxury, it wouldn't be that Fleming-like experience. Because it probably yeah, wasn't. I, mean, I wouldn't have said it was that luxurious, funnily enough. Um, the beach huts are just perfect. They're, you, got, you get a bed, uh, an outdoor shower, a bathroom, and a little porch. They're not. It's it's not a luxurious place. It's it's kind of toned down luxury. It's it's very nice. Got, um, no, didn't Noel Coward say it wasn't Golden Eye? It was Golden Eye ear, nose, and throat. Because, yeah. Yeah, 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 I mean, you you can see that they've actually. It's it's not as austere as Fleming quite liked it. Particularly the gold, the, the Fleming Villa has, has been slightly modernised, but it, it, it does. You do still get feel, running water now. It, it does so. still feel very much like uh, you can certainly feel his presence there. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they don't play up the bomb thing either. It's not like in your face. Uh, like when we, okay. the reception area has some photos on the wall and it has the the Bond archives, the big red book, which is now blue, um, like sitting there for you to flick through. But that's it. That's up great. in the, yeah. the restaurant, uh, the main restaurant, they've got some location pictures of, uh, of them filming Dr. Now. They've got a whole wall of Ursula Andress pictures. Uh, uh, um, but, and there was a couple of Fleming, there was a, couple of Fleming books in the Fleming Villa, uh, like a couple of biographies and the, the great Matthew Parker's book on Goldeneye. We're, we're sort of in the library of the villa, but that's it. Um, it's not like, you know, there's James Bond stuff all over the place. You could go You could go there. If you don't go to the Fleming Villa, you could go there and not really not even know, know what it was about. No, it was related to Bond. But if you're a Bond geek, it's like, you know, like we went out on the glass bottom boat over the reef because neither of us are really good swimmers. So we went out on the glass bottom boat over the reefs and it's like 
they just brought back all those descriptions from Live and Let Die. Mm. Did you see any barracudas? No. no. <laughs> That's the one thing from the books. I'm like, can you bring those into the film, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was it was fantastic just going out over the reefs and it's like, yeah, just the way Fleming described it and you're looking at it and it was like, oh, this is just amazing. Yeah. David, please tell me that while um, Alan and Jill have been talking about this, you've been booking online. As well. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm far too polite to have another window open, but it's, it's the first thing I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do when I've got off this. Yeah. Uh, Although podcast. I will say when, when we went, it, it worked out happily for us is the fact that they had closed off some of the area where they were doing some renovations and extensions and some more private, privately owned villa buildings. So it was cheaper because yeah. certain things weren't available and that's how we were able to go because okay. yeah. it's not it's not cheap you have to, yeah if you look at certain um times because we were thinking about going this year for jill's birthday um but obviously didn't but you know like the week of her birthday was really expensive but if we went a week later the price had dropped quite dramatically so um if you if you do want to do it and As you know well. it is affordable if, if you plan what time of year you go and stuff. I said uh, I'm beholden to school holidays, unfortunately, which might be right, a thing. Uh, but if, uh, being as it is a significant rounded number birthday next year, I might be just dropping some not-so-subtle hints. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, like playing Tina Turner on repeat um, every morning, <laughs> you know, until he... I, I will say the, the best Vespa martinis I've ever had was, a, yeah. was fittingly oh. at GoldenEye. Just, so. just stop it now. Stop it now. <laughs> <laughs> David's prepared yeah, to... Going back, going back to a right. bit more general, yeah, when we go places, if it has anything to do with Bond, like Alan was in Hong Kong, so I kept getting pictures of, oh, I was here and I was here, you know. Yeah, last time so, I was in New Orleans, I had to go and find Soda's lamppost and so oh, yeah. you know, stand there. And, we did that on our honeymoon. Yeah, you did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm lucky. I, do, I normally do quite a bit of business travel, normally do quite a bit of business travel. So if I'm going somewhere that has a Bond connection. Um, Amazing. My, my big miss is Bond Island. I was in Thailand. I was in Phuket on business. We had a spare weekend and a colleague of mine was like, let's go to Bond Island. I'm like, yeah, duh. And then I ate the wrong thing the night before. Oh, no. <laughs> so I couldn't go. Uh, I missed my trip to, uh, to Bond Island which is still a bit of a regret. Um, but, you disagreed uh, with something that ate him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Very good. good. As what you mentioned about uh, Raymond Benson and, and knowing Raymond, and you also just dropped into conversation that you'd, uh, you chatted to George Lazenby about, um, about that state. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any other people in the uh, Bond world that you've had contact with and maybe interviewed or had any feedback from the book about or anything like that? We've met Maud Adams. Yeah, we've had dinner with oh. Maud Adams and Lana Wood. Uh, oh. That was an en- entertaining oh, evening. Oh, and what's her name? The lady who played Thumper. We've met her too. Oh, Trina, oh, Trina Park. Oh, yes. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. We've had the yeah. pleasure of her company. So. She's very tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinner with Maud Adams and oh. uh, Lana Wood was good. Maud didn't actually get to say much because we, we wind <laughs> Lana up. She, right. she tells a lot, lots of great stories. Um, <laughs> A lot of interesting diamonds are forever behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 David. We, we've heard a bit about this before. No? I we did a review that, of uh, Diamonds Are Forever with David, and I think we spent about half an hour talking about Lana Wood's yeah. uh, background and uh, relationships and various things. It, yeah. it was, it was <laughs> a gossip. Thriller. Yeah. <laughs> About the book, no. Not directly from any of the, the cast or anything like that, no, any of the cast members. I, I, again, it is, you know, just through the people we've met, it's sort of you, these things, you know, you get drawn into it. So, um, 
always take the take the opportunity. Yeah, unfortunately, the uh, the the night we were with, we went out with Maud and, and Lana. Actually, Richard Keel was meant to be with us as well for that event, uh, for that dinner. And unfortunately, it was the weekend that he he fell and broke his leg, and then he, he passed away a couple of days later. Um, yeah. So it was sort of his last weekend, uh, and he was actually meant to be out at the same event we were at. But uh, yeah, so that was a bit so that was a bit sad. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, a really entertaining evening with those two. Yeah. Uh, and Trina's good fun too. Yeah. And how was George? George was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was. Was actually, it was actually back when my, no, no, it was really good. Uh, it was back when my previous book came out back in 2009. He and several of the girls, and it's, I'm terrible, I can't remember which of the Bond girls it was, was at San Diego Comic Con. And Eon had done nothing to promote the fact they were there. I didn't even know they were there. I just actually went up, whenever I go to a Comic Con, I always walk, I don't get autographs. I don't stand in line for autographs and that. But I always walk through the autograph areas just to see who's there. Walk around the corner, and there's right at the back is set up is George and three of the Bond girls with the table. I'm like, okay. So I, I actually had some spare copies of the book because my publisher was there. So I oh. sort of ran down, grabbed a copy of the book, ran back out, and, so, and I signed it and gave it to George and said, and he he went, you'll like this, the diamond. So he he flicked through it, and there's a picture, there's a Majesty's poster on it and he was like oh yeah that's cool and then he flicked over and there's a diamonds post poster it was like on the next page and he's like he said yeah connery did a pretty good impersonation of me in that follow-up but he was good he, he he was joking but he was having a bit of a bitch about the fact that nobody you know nobody knew they were there and what was the point you know if they weren't going to publicize the fact they were there um so but we ended up chatting for i don't know probably half an hour or so he was really good. He was really nice. So. Well, a lot's happened since then. That his legacy yeah. is thankfully. I mean, in no time to die alone is yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he, you know, obviously he he's been involved in. You know, he comes out to. You know, he went out to the Majesty's 50th anniversary thing at Pizzoria, yeah. and he seems to be really and en- get getting engaged in uh, in it. And uh, yeah, brilliant. Right. Well, thank you for for coming and joining us uh, this very early for you guys. I really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, thank you uh, so much. No problem. Oh, you're welcome. You're yeah. welcome. Yeah. Next we, time, we, next time, I'll try and remember what the exact time difference is. <laughs> Just for the listeners' benefit, where can we purchase your book? Okay, so the aforementioned website that I said, JamesBondLexicon.online, yep. has links to all the places online that you can buy it. So, um, but obviously, Amazon is the main one. You can find it on all the global Amazon sites. But if you don't want to use Amazon, we have a list of all the other online book dealers that you can get it from at the jamesbondlexicon.online website. It's a really good website. No it's, it's got loads of your appearances and anything you're doing up to date and the podcast. And Yeah, you can find, also find links to all our On A Majesty's Secret uh, podcast uh, network shows on there as well. Awesome. So uh, like I said at the start of the, the episode, I can't recommend this enough. If you haven't got it in time for Christmas, it's still there and we'll be watching Bonds throughout the new year. So do get a copy. I can't recommend it enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. No, thanks. Good, thanks good for evening. having us. Good. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, I, now I have to go and get my BMW Z3 model off the shelf in the office and kick Listen, it out. And yes. If I've got this wrong, I am so sorry. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.